0: what's up, everybody? So before we get into this episode, this is a special, different kind of episode I wanted to do. I've been getting a ton of questions. It must be this time of year inside of the DGMG group. Quick plug, if you're not a member, 1,700 members. 80% of them are in B2B marketing dgmg.co if you want to be in there, but getting a ton of questions in the Facebook group must be this time of year about 2021. Like how do you do planning? And also related to how do you do planning, getting a lot of questions about managing up, managing up to the CEO, setting expectations for marketing with the CEO. What do you present to the board? What do investors want? And so I wanted to do a special episode there, but it was super valuable and tactical. So I wanted to pull it out and actually put it in the B2B Marketing Leaders podcast feed because it's a great place for for it, and that's where people want that content. So just quick context on this episode. I hope you'll join us inside of DGMG if you're not already in there. Otherwise, I want you to really pull over, get a pen, pencil, maybe listen to this once and then take notes after. But this is a conversation with Peter Mahoney. He's a CEO of a company called Plana. Before this, he was a CMO at Nuance, $2 billion company. And so we talked a lot about managing the board, all these other things I told you we were just going to talk about. But That's my quick little explainer for this episode. Okay, here we go. Let's get to it. Hey, I'm Dave Gerhardt, and you're listening to the B2B Marketing Leaders Podcast, the show where I go behind the scenes with today's top marketing leaders to talk about what they really do every day. My guest today is Peter Mahoney. He's the CEO of Plana. Peter. So I'm getting a million questions. So I have this marketing group, DGMG. There's like 1800 B2B, 80% of them are B2B marketers. And it's crazy. The engagement is crazy. And one thing that everybody's talking right now is planning, 2021 planning. And I have been wanting to talk to you anyway. And I was like, oh, you know what? You'd actually be the perfect person to talk about this, not only just based on your company, but based on the book and your experience as a CEO, CMO. So that I want to talk to you about planning and I also want to talk to you about a lot of people are asking about like managing up, right? And that could be you are the first-time marketing leader managing up to the CEO at a startup. It could mean you're director of marketing reporting to CMO. It could be you're the CMO managing
1: to the board. Does that sound good? I love that question, by the way. Right, let's start there then. Why? Why do you love that question? Well, I love it because I think it's a way that marketers really can differentiate themselves. It's funny. It almost sounds on the surface like this super self-serving kind of kiss butt, managing up kind of thing, but but it's just not. If you think about it, your role as, as a marketer is to deliver business results for resources that you're investing. And that can be human resources, it can be financial resources, but it's those business results. And you have to understand that most people that you're dealing with don't understand marketing. It's witchcraft to them. Your job is to try to demystify that and connect what you're doing to those business results. And so it's a, it's a hugely important thing to be able to do.
0: I want to pause on that thought. I almost wrote this. So I've been going back and forth with somebody that that I work with and asking me a lot about like, Hey, I'm working with this CEO and they don't understand marketing and it's driving me crazy. And I'm like, yeah, that's your job though. Like that is your job is to make that CEO understand. I think like a lot of marketers just, they do show up and they're like, I'm butting heads with the CEO. I'm like, look, I think back to my last job, like I think back to when I was at Drift, like I, for four years, probably went on a two hour walk every single day with the CEO, like yeah. talking about marketing and only through, you know, year three and year four, did we like really be on the same page. And so I think it does take that level of, of interaction. It's just nice to hear you say that. Cause I don't think people are thinking about that. Hey, I got to, not only do I have to market to this external audience, but I also have to teach people in here how we should think about it. And
1: I have to meet the CEO halfway somewhere. Yeah. And a key concept, Dave, is the idea of alignment. And alignment seems like it's kind of people throw that word around all the time. But what it means is that not only are you communicating what you're doing and what your objectives are, but you're hearing and understanding what the objectives are from on down. And getting alignment between those two directions is hugely important. And half the problem is it's not only communicating what marketing is, but communicating it in the context of the business for what matters to the business. Mm. And that might be growth numbers. It might be entering new markets. It might be retaining customers. It might be getting on the map. Whatever happens to be the materially important thing for that business, you've got to express what you're doing in the context of what matters.
0: It's so true. I'm thinking like the way that you explain that is way better than I would have. But that's exactly it, which like I'm just thinking about to like any as an individual marketer, right? Anytime I've had any success has been like, oh, I kind of just did what the CEO wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to say you don't be creative, but it's like, hold on, if you're in that management meeting and you're listening to the VP of product, the product person, the salesperson, the CEO, and you're gonna be like, Yeah, this quarter, we're gonna grow the blog a hundred percent. It's like, no, 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 hold on. How can you be like, I think of everybody in that. If you think of your seat at the table in a leadership meeting, it's like everybody kind of has a piece of that pie, like product, their thing is the product marketing. Your thing is marketing. So how can I use my thing, my expertise and my team and skill set to further the business? I just, for whatever reason, it just become people just want to fight that. And it's like, Hey, look, I like going to the CEO and say, Hey, tell me what you want my goals to be. I'll help quantify them. But like, I want to make sure that we're
1: on the same page. I Completely agree. And there's a really important concept that you brought up in that last statement or set of statements, Dave. And it, it is the idea that you need to communicate what you're doing in form of business value. So we've got this concept in the next CMO book that we just wrote It is that you should be able to connect everything that you do ultimately to a financial outcome And the way you do that is you always ask yourself the question, to what end? So you brought up this idea that, hey, I want to increase the blog traffic by 100%. Well, to what end? What are you trying to do with that? Well, I want to get more people at the top of the funnel. To what end? I want to be able to convert those people into prospects and customers and generate revenue and profit for the company. Ah, that's the end that I'm looking for. So you got to connect the dots for people just because you have in your monkey marketing mind the the understanding that hey, if I get more eyeballs at the top, they're going to convert to customers. They don't understand that. You need to connect the dots for them so yeah. they can understand what ultimately you're trying to do, and then you have to work it back to understand What is the value per outcome that you're going to get? What is the value of increasing the blog traffic by hundred percent? You should have a thesis on that. You should be able to figure out, do the math. It's not complex math to figure out if I did that, what's that going to do for the business? What if you
0: did that exercise? Like, let's just talk about the blog specifically, because this is one where a lot of people like get stuck on. If you did that though, and you realize that, hey, you know what? We might actually only get an incremental 10K in MRR. Do you then have the real conversation like, Should we have a blog then? Like, is that a real conversation? Or because here's where people struggle, Peter. Which is like what you said. I've actually changed a lot how I think on this. Uh, Maybe it's because of the role that I'm in now. But like, I actually do think everything does need to be financially tied back in marketing. Because I've felt the other side of it when I can't articulate those things. I'm like, you know what? I'm here trying to fight for these things only because I've spent the last eight months working on them. Not because I actually care whether they worked or not. It's like I thought this was going to be an initiative. Oh my god, we spent people time budget and it didn't produce revenue. If
1: all I can just do is show that what we're doing moves the needle in revenue, that's where you should focus. That's right. And the point that you made about deprioritizing something if there isn't a viable financial impact is super important. And in yeah. fact, it's it's one of the things I actually, when you asked me about this concept, I spent some time and thought about it. And I said there are I defined that there are five things that I wanted to tell people about okay. how to manage and communicate. Tell me then. Let me tell you the list. And then we can get into detail if you care. Sure. One is about aligning aligning. Goals, right? To make sure that you and the CEO or whoever is one step up for you is focused on. Second is agreeing on the strategy. So, how am I going to achieve those goals? Because if you've got a wildly different view of strategy of approach, you're going to be cross-purpose all the time. Third is communicating outcomes in financial terms, as I just said, right? You want to be able to connect something all the way down to a meaningful financial outcome that the CEO or the board is going to care about. Fourth is tell the truth, even if it's ugly. So we talked about this a second ago where you said, what if the blog doesn't work? Stop or change, you know, it doesn't mean stop all the time, but if it's not working, don't embrace your marketing instinct to spin and make it look good. What you want to do is you're a truth teller inside the company. You got to focus on really communicating what's working and what's not working. And you'll get a ton of respect if you can communicate to someone say, I did this, I did these 10 things. These three things were bad and we're not going to do them for right now because they don't work. These six work well. Also, people
0: don't care. I didn't realize. People do not care. If you say to the CEO, hey, we're going to grow a pipeline by 10 million next year. That's all they care about. Great. I don't have to say through the blog. Cool. If you tell me you killed the blog, but you did it through events and we're still... Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Okay. What's number four? Four is tell the truth. What's five?
1: Four is tell the truth. And fifth is tell the whole truth. truth. So... (laughs) You're such a
0: marketer. You want to come up with five. You make them four. No,
1: no, no. I didn't try and fit it into like PowerPoint clip art or anything. No, this is, it's a different concept, which is really important. So telling the truth is when you're asked about something or when you're communicating whether something worked, you got to be truthful about it. The other thing is you need to communicate everything that's going on. As I said a minute ago, if there are things in your plan that aren't working well, and you don't have to tell the minutiae to the CEO, but you need to be really honest with yourself and with the company and your team with the things that aren't working. I sat in so many board meetings where marketing people just do the hits list. These are the things that worked. And they talk about all the great that's things.
0: That's what, that's what I do.
1: Yeah, And there's value in talking about what worked. Here's the problem that happens, Dave, all the time. I saw this, you know, at, at Nuance. So I was CMO of a big public company, $2 billion company. And people would show up and they're spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars a quarter on marketing stuff. Uh, and someone would show up and say, hey, I did this great thing. We got a 400% return on this particular digital campaign. Great. How much did you spend on that? We spent $10,000. What did you do with the other $3.99 million you were spending? Well, you know, I don't know, <laughs> right? So you got to set it in context and given the whole picture, that's incredibly important.
0: Yeah. Okay. I got a bunch of follow-up. First of all, that's fantastic. That alone, we're going to clip that. That's going to be money content. You have five things, right? Because I think, look, people say, how do I manage up? And what a lot of people, just like good marketing, what people want is frameworks. And so you can take these five things from Peter, right? Goals, strategy, outcomes in financial terms, tell the truth, tell the whole truth, and use that as a checklist. That could be whether you are a manager and you want to manage up to your boss, who's a director, whether you're CMO and you're managing the board, like this can be used for anything. Actually, before we go on, I want to ask a couple questions on those. So, first is goals. I actually love that you put strategy second because the goal is just the binary, you know, black and white number. The strategy is, hey, you could say to me, Hey, let's say you're my CEO, Peter, because you are CEO. And you say, Hey, Dave, we need to grow pipeline by 10 million next year. Okay, great. Here's your budget. Okay, great. However, we haven't agreed on how I'm going to get there. And so if I tell you, all right, cool, man, I'm going to take this all and dump it in Facebook ads, or I find out that you hate events and I'm going to go do the whole plan on events, you and I are not going to get along.
1: That's absolutely right. And and by the way, this happens all the time, especially when you're working in parallel with a a sales partner, Uh, because it's not only the CEO, but it's your sales partner that you need to communicate your strategy. And by the way, people don't understand what a strategy is. So let me put it in these really crude kind of militaristic kind of terms. So if your goal is to take the hill, your strategy could be run up the steep part, or it could be go around the back end. It's your approach that you're going to use to achieve your goal. That's all it is. And if your goal is to generate another $10 million in ARR, as an example, your strategy may be. I employ content marketing and, and convert via marketing approaches, as an example. Or it may be that I've got a well-defined, tight, small target audience, and, and I'm going to do hospitality-based, deep relationship marketing kind of approaches, and I'm going to go sponsor a bunch of golf tournaments and bring 10 customers a quarter to a golf tournament. Those are both valid approaches, completely different strategies. And what happens is if your sales head says, "Hey, I need you to sponsor this golf tournament," and you have not agreed on the strategy, how do you say no? You can say no, and you're the jerk, or you can say, "Hey, Jane, we agreed that our strategy was this, and so that's the strategy we're going to take." So, understanding what that strategy is is important.
0: It always is the salesperson, the sale, <laughs> the VP says, "Is like, hey, why don't we have a booth at this thing?" And I got to spend half my day explaining that. I think that's great. I also think strategy is like also like front side of the hill, back side of the hill, totally. But I also think depending on, there's a lot of CEOs who are particular about marketing, right? You are a former CMO. And so I'm sure that for your company now, like- I call it a recovering a, CMO. Recovering, you're a recovering CMO, right? Yeah. You and my friend, Mike Volpe, yeah, both recovering CMOs now. Most CEOs, forget about the ones that came from marketing, have a very often have a very strong opinion on marketing. And so I've found it helpful to even sit down and say, hey, Beyond marketing strategy, let's come up for some guardrails, like, what type of marketing do you like and not like? Because I think that does also
1: help shape some of the strategy. Really interesting point, Dave. And absolutely, there has to be, if someone is violently against something, you absolutely, that has to be a factor in your decision the end of the day, you have to think about a couple of things. What are your objectives? What's your marketing strategy? And then you need to connect it into your brand strategy. What's the purpose of being for your company? How do you want to communicate to the world? What image do you want to create? It was interesting. A great example of this is I just saw a note about the the rebranding of Cyber Reason, Volpe's old company. And I looked at, they got a brilliant CMO. She's fantastic. And I saw this brand and my first reaction was a little like, ugh. You know, I didn't really love it. Right. It was sort of like this techno sort of robot owl thing. But then I realized, well, wait a minute, I'm not the damn target audience. The target audience is a bunch of InfoSec people and CISOs who are probably totally into that stuff. And so understanding my personal preference is a factor. But at the end of the day, it's, Who's the audience you're trying to influence? What's your brand strategy overall, and how does it relate? So they're factors, but not it's not the only deterministic factor.
0: How did you balance this? Like, so when you're nuanced, right? That's marketing for a two billion dollar company, and so a lot of these questions are harder because they have short term and long term goals, right? You know, you're not a struggling startup who needs you know who has six months of runway and needs needs cash now. You got to make decisions like, well. I can't show that the blog is going to generate ROI today, but it's going to compound because of SEO two, three years from now. So like, can you just talk to me about like how you've blended that stuff into the plan? Because I see that's a place where I get hung up. I see a lot of people get hung up there is like, you know, balancing short term versus long term with your line about, hey, everything needs to be measured back to
1: financials. It's a great question, Dave, because it's a really difficult thing to do is you always have this short-term pressure. And I tell you, in working for a big public company, there's incredible short-term pressure because you have the quarterly reporting requirement. So it's all about what have you done this quarter? And there's an incredible short-term thing. And of course, you have to be really tightly aligned with your sales partners and in their incredibly short-term focus. So you have to find this balance and make sure that there is a longer-term plan and strategy related to that. So to answer your question, what you have to do is one, make sure as you're building your plan You need to make sure that your plan encompasses both short-term tactical things and long-term strategic things. And then you need to make an explicit decision about the split between those things. So how much of my effort am I going to put towards the strategic and how much of my effort am I going to put toward the tactical? Because if you disagree with the CEO, you got a problem there and you need to make sure that there's a general sense of agreement. Now, CEOs tend to think strategically. So they're going to say, hey, it's cool if we say three years from now, I want to be known as a different company. I want to be in a different market. That requires that you're going to build towards something. But what's important to do is, one, you need to define what is that objective, even if it's far out there. It doesn't have to be tied to a fiscal year. And what are the outcomes I'm trying to get? And then what are the leading indicators that will tell me whether I'm on track or not toward getting there?
0: Yeah, I like that. Um, because- I, I, it's almost like you have, to, you have to break it out separately and say, hey, 80% of our time is going to be spent on this thing. But we know that in two years, we're going to go international. And so we're going to carve out X percent of the budget this year. And that's what these people are working on. That's why they don't have the same goals as all these other people. We're, we're breaking it out and
1: testing it that way. Absolutely. And it's a really tricky thing to do to get that alignment and agreement, not only with the CEO, but you also have to get that with the rest of the executive team, because there's often this tension going on around who's going to get resources, where's the focus going to be. And I found a lot of my time at Nuance, I spent working across the executive team, trying to understand what they were trying to do. And you have this sort of negotiator-priest-like relationship with the company, where you've got to go figure out what everyone's needs are, and then ultimately define your plans in a way that's going to help the company's objective. But you need support. You need other parts of the organization to, to actually be on, in line with you. And that's some of the hardest part in a big company is getting that alignment. And that's why one of the top skills I look for in up-and-coming marketers is the ability to sell a complex idea. If you can create and sell an initiative inside a company, I know you can be successful. Mm, Okay. How do most people get that wrong? What most people do is there are a few different paths people take. Either they just sort of push forward without getting people aligned around what they're trying to do. So they may say, hey, we're going to sneak up and do a really cool new website or we're going to reposition the company. These are things that require, a repositioning requires 100% buy-in at the management level of the company. And that kind of thing, a lot of people will kind of sneak up by the side and say, hey, look what I did. Here's a cool new thing. And huge mistake. They'll try and fly under the radar. And what is most important to do is really sort of exercise the objections people have, understand their perspectives, and really pull in that data. Because it turns out that you're going to look at this from one very specific perspective. The reality is a lot of these really big initiatives, whether it's a rebrand, whether it's a strategic direction shift, whether it's a new product launch, these things require a whole company view with a lot of different perspectives. So if you don't take in all that data you're going to be blindsided. It's the whole idea of diversity, right? Yeah. Diversity makes people and companies stronger. And if you don't bring in these diverse opinions and views, then you're going to miss something because you're going to be spoiled by your particular lens that you take on a problem.
0: Yeah, I was, I'm thinking about somebody that I've worked with that that is great at that and realize that that's what makes them great is they can create... There's some people who just present a problem and you're just like, I am more, this is worse now. (laughs) I am more confused about this. And some people are like, yeah. And, And guess what happens, by the way? If you are the person, so if you want to grow your career faster, like I love what you said, Peter, people who can create and sell complex ideas within the company, not only does that show that you can articulate, like how can you navigate marketing and understand the business, but also guess what happens when you're the one who presents that, hey team, hey board, Hey, exec team, I got this um, new idea I want to talk through. What happens at the end of that is when you do a good job, people say, you know what? Hey, Dave, why don't you go run that? (laughs) exactly. You're the one who should go do it because you just came up with a plan. And so that's how you also fall into more of these proactive opportunities. Wow. Why, how come all of a sudden Mary is running our international test? Well, because she was the one who had an idea that we might grow X percent faster if we tested international. And so she now has that. And so in a quarter from now, she's going to be able to say, Hey, I ran this experiment. It worked. Then there's like, there's a whole bigger path to be promoted other than just doing your day-to-day job.
1: Absolutely. I, I should tell you how I got my first job in marketing, by the way. So my first job in marketing, I've literally never taken a marketing class in my life. And maybe it's obvious from talking to me, but I've, I've never taken a marketing class. I was a physics and computer science double major in school, and I strangely ended up taking a job in sales for IBM. I literally, I, it's like I went in the wrong room. I made a mistake. That's another story for another day. <laughs> But I left there and I, I had a job doing sort of business development alliance stuff for this tech company in the Boston area. And, and I started sort of building this, what I thought was the way we should communicate our strategy to, the, to our partners. And got people bought in on the management team and said, I think this is the way we should communicate it. And by the way, what happened is the head of marketing for one of the divisions of this company wasn't working out. They got rid of them. So the GM of the division says to me, will you do it? And I said, well, wait a minute to myself. I didn't say this out loud. I said, I've never had a marketing job in my life. And you want me to run marketing for this division and this company? He's like, yeah. That's why you're going to be good at it. (laughs) I'm in, right? And it was exactly that. It was literally, you come up with an idea, you sell a concept, you get people bought in, you're coherent, you're honest about these things and people give you a chance And that's how I got my first job of running marketing for a division, Stranger,
0: That's awesome. I think it's true about good people that I've worked with. That's what they do. It's true about how I have made some leaps in my career. It's like, yeah, I haven't done that. Sure, let me do that. And here's a plan. I think a lot of people just say, so-and-so is not letting me. Nobody's going to wait around to tell you to do it. And so if you think your company should do an event, if you think your company should go international, write the proposal, show the data, make the plan, present that to somebody. And and more than likely, your boss or whoever is going to be like, you know what, you should go do it. Okay. So I have a ton of questions from the Facebook group that I want to ask you. I want yeah. to try to like fire through my, that's okay. I do have your book though. And and you sent it to me. It made it to all the way in the, in Vermont where I am next. You know. <laughs> exactly. And uh, look, I would hate the idea of just like plugging somebody's book, but seriously, I'm reading this and I got it. I got a dog eared in bookmark. And I messaged you before we did this, that you really did a good job on this book because I think The people are so hungry for tactical marketing stuff, marketing knowledge, and it's really hard to find that in a blog. And this book is super tactical. And so you should go, I don't know how people can buy it. Maybe, can people go get it from you? Yeah, best thing
1: to do, they can go to our website, itplanet.com, And there's a, a banner right at the top. They can click and they can get a free digital copy of the book. Cool. I'll put everything in the in the cool. notes. That's such a podcast host that I'll put
0: in the show notes. But um, <laughs> one thing that really stood out to me, because I've seen this, I've, this is a symptom at a lot of places, which is inadequate. One of the things that really bugs marketing teams is inadequate or completely absent goals. Every marketing org should have a clear set of objectives that are aligned to the overall business objectives. The marketing objectives should have specific metrics, targets, and milestones defined. Now, here's where this gets interesting, because a lot of people are going to say, yeah, we have goals. But what you call out in this book is that in some cases, goals are well-defined, but there is no connection between the goals and the actual plan. Can you talk about that? Because I've seen this at so many different places with so many different markets. Hey, a common symptom is everyone's busy, everyone's doing stuff, but we're not making progress towards the plan.
1: Yeah, we call that random acts of marketing, right? The connective tissue is what's important, right? You need a little framework, a system to put these things together. So I think most people understand these days that, hey, I've got goals. I know I need to drive growth or something like that. I need to enter a new market. I need to grow customer sales or whatever they are. I've got a set of goals. The next part is really figuring out, well, how do I build a plan that helps me achieve those goals? And it's the planning part that's most important. So first of all, we need to find a goal. You need to have a specific measurement. So what does success look like? I want to drive growth. Great. Well, what does that mean? Well, I want to get to $10 million of ARR by the end of the year. Great. That's more specific. Are there milestones along the way? I want to get to $6 million by the first half, right? So once you start that, you get, okay, now I have a pretty specific idea of what I want to achieve. Then what you need to do is you need to, Build your campaign plan so that your campaigns are organized around the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. So, for instance, you don't just say, great, we need to grow revenue. Let me just do a podcast. Okay. You need to understand what are my pipeline generating campaigns. And if you don't have a set of campaigns whose outcomes are the same measurement that your goals are, it's broken right? So you need to rethink your campaigns. And sometimes it's just you're thinking at the wrong level because we bastardize the word campaign because everyone thinks sending an email is a campaign and it's not. A campaign is a broad thematic set of things that are designed to help you achieve a specific objective. How many campaigns do you
0: think there are in a quarter then? If it's not an email send, how many are you running in a quarter or month?
1: In my company, which is pretty small right now, we run two. Nice. So there are two campaigns now. There are a blizzard of tactics underneath that. Well, hold so on, there,
0: hold on, pause. How many at Nuance? At
1: Nuance, we'd probably run ten, and each one of them has a blizzard of tactics too. Yeah, there's a lot underneath it. So yeah. let me give you a really great example. So we had in the uh, in the healthcare business in Nuance, which was a billion dollar business, we had a campaign called the Art of Medicine. And the idea was to convince the clinicians out there that our approach to using your voice to create documentation was a better way to work. And it would allow them to get back to doing what they wanted to be, which is being a doctor. That's a thematic campaign. Now, underneath that, we had a series, we had a blog, we had a series of events, we had a series of email campaigns, we had thought leadership, we had all these things, but they all collectively added up to something whose goal was to move the needle on engaging a clinical audience for this specific thing. So that's, that's what we mean by campaign.
0: I think too, to me, just like, I don't know, feels like the right number for so many companies. Like, you know, if yeah. you're, if you got two, more than two campaigns going in a month, probably too much, or you're probably not thinking of them the right way. I'm really into campaigns lately. Cause I just think it's a great way to organize the chaos a little bit. And so I'm a a repeat offender of random acts of marketing because I just I got a lot of ideas and i want I want to do them. But I've found that, like having this framework of campaigns and say, Hey, we need roughly two campaigns to help grow the number incrementally this month. What are they? And over time, you learn which campaigns work, which campaigns don't. Hey, when we do this type of offer, this thing happens. And so you know when the CEO says, Hey, we got to grow the plan by, 30% next year, you have a rough sense of like how many campaigns and you can start to plan your year. It just makes everything much easier from a planning perspective when you have that kind of ground level of campaigns.
1: Absolutely. And you brought up an important point there, Dave, too, which is the idea of experimentation. It's okay within a campaign to run some experiments. You can try a new idea and you may have this crazy idea Put it in the context of your campaign, if you can. Now, you may at the same time want to have, and and one of the things I really advocate for is that you have to have your 10%, depending on the size of the budget. If it's a small company, 10%. If it's a big company, less, maybe like 5%. Should be totally focused on experimental. Because if you're not trying new things all the time, then you're going to miss opportunities to generate outsized performance it's why you know podcasting happens right because people experiment with things all the time in 10 years ago nobody was doing it but well, you said a really important thing though which is like it's almost like put
0: the creativity put the experimentation in the campaign though so hey yeah. hey peter we've always wanted to um, really test uh, podcast advertising podcast sponsorship cool okay, don't just go do it on its own. How can you do that as a tactic in service of this other campaign, you know, in a campaign? Hey, say, hey we're going we're gonna to do it for this thing because we're already doing that anyway.
1: Yep, that's exactly right. And you have to encourage people to do that because the reality is, if you haven't noticed, we got hit by a giant pandemic this year. And if you didn't have a series of ideas that you thought you could try when maybe some of your fundamental strategies became invalidated because you couldn't do a physical event anymore, then you were stuck. So always having a set of simple experiments that you're running is super critical for you to be nimble enough to adjust something weird happens.
0: All right. I got to shut up and, and try to ask you some of these questions yeah. in the group. And this one is from uh, Maria. Uh, hey, Maria. What are the stats? And this is repeated. Like, so what are the stats KPIs that board members are interested in? What do these myth- mythical board members want to know about marketing? What do you present
1: to them? Great question. It, it's going to vary wildly. Based on the objectives of the in the stage of the company. So, if you're a SaaS company like mine, as an example, then you care about fundamentally you care about CAC and CAC payback that's in things like ARR or MRR growth. Those are the things that matter. And CAC, by the way, is customer acquisition cost. It's actually a really interesting measure. Basically, what it is is take the full cost of marketing not only the programs, but all the people, the full cost of sales and all the commissions, all the benefits, everything related there, the full cost of every piece of effort inside the company divided by the number of customers you get. And that tells you at a high level what it costs to get a single customer. And then of course you have to look at, well, if it costs me $10,000 to get a customer, what's the value of a customer? If it's a SaaS business and you get $1,000 a month, Great. Then, in ten months, I've got my ten month payback period for CAC. That kind of thing is critical, but you do have to think about the context and the stage of the business. If you're not a SaaS business, they may not care about that. If you're e-commerce business as an example, you're probably are going to care about things like uh, your customer acquisition, but measured a different way, right? So what's the cost of customer acquisition? What's the growth trajectory that you're on? And what you don't want to do, is bury your board in a set of what they would think of meaningless metrics. Mm. Don't show them click rates. Don't show them things that are not related to the business objective that they care about. There's
0: three things, which is like number one: overall revenue. What are the things that are driving revenue in marketing at the highest level? If you had to, if you have it in one minute, explain that. What are the things that? Well, events have been really big for us. This much pipeline from this channel, great. Like that's what people want is the the high level. But here's a question for you. Maybe I ha- it's because I haven't been at a company at this stage, but on the CAC stuff, I found that like usually if you have an ops, if you have a COO or CFO, you know that stuff is coming up in that section of the board meeting. Is that because I've mainly been at early stage stuff? Like I'm not the one that's typically like getting on the hot seat for CAC. It might be something that our CFO and I are talking about separate from that and how we can drive that down. But is that
1: just a stage thing? You're right in that it tends to be, I'm now shifted into my CEO lens, right? Where Or maybe I'm, I'm they've thinking, just been like,
0: this is not the guy we want talking about CAC. So the CFO here is going to do that section, Dave. Talk about the fonts on the website. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. So what they're going to care about is, so the context for the board is, what does it cost to get a customer? And how many am I getting? Is it profitable for me to get those things? So- Now, you have a huge role in that as the marketing leader, obviously, Mm -hmm. because you've got to figure out, you know, for your piece of that thing, what is the cost per outcome that you're driving? So that's another sort of one level down that you can focus on. If you say, well, my goal is putting opportunities in the pipeline. Well, okay, what's the cost to get an opportunity in the pipeline? And what's the conversion rate and what's the average customer value? And that would tell you what the value of that opportunity in a pipeline. So let me give you some math. Say it cost me $1,000 to put someone in the pipeline. Great. Yep. If it's $1,000 and my conversion rate is 10%, that means that it costs me $10,000 of marketing to generate that customer. Now, then you need to understand, well, what's the value of a customer on average? If it's $100,000, maybe that's good. Mm -hmm. But if it's $100,000 and it's a hardware product with low margins, maybe it's not so good. So you really need to understand the the mechanics of the business, at least the high-level financials of the business. If you've got a highly profitable software business, as an example, 80, 90% margins, and maybe spending $10,000 to get a customer that is worth $20,000, that would be a good thing. But again, you need to understand the context of your business. Okay. How do you begin to educate CEOs, investors, board
0: members who don't entirely understand what marketing is? It's more than creating decks. What does that
1: process look like? How do you do it without boiling the ocean? Ah, great question. So the key to communicating marketing is to communicate what you're doing in a context of what they care about. So for instance that's why the whole idea of aligning goals is important. So if for instance the company is trying to grow pipeline and trying to launch a new product then you should say in service of these objectives this is what marketing priorities are doing this is the target that we set and this is how we're achieving it. So help explain it to them. It's easy for a marketer to fall into what's comfortable for them or what's easy to report on. So I see over and over again, marketers come into a management or a board meeting and say, here's a bunch of web metrics. Okay, right? But how does that relate to me driving new revenue? Don't show them data just because you have it. You need to show the data in the context of the business in the way that they care about it. And as you do that, by the way, marketing touches almost every part of your business. So if you understand the business priorities, then you can relate what you're doing in marketing in the framework of those priorities. And by doing that, it becomes really clear to the CEO and to the board what marketing is doing to service these priorities. And they get a much better, much more holistic view of what they are. Mm. Yeah, that was a good answer. That was helpful. Okay, this is a little bit different, but I want to hear what you say.
0: I'm lucky to have, this was from Michael. I have a CEO who at the end of my monthly meeting says, how can I help you reach your goals? He's just that way. I got lucky. He's been doing podcasts, LinkedIn posts, blogs, and more. It's made a huge difference in our growth. Question, how do I get my CEO more
1: involved in doing marketing Mm -hmm. with me? Ah, you mean like doing a podcast or or something like that? Mm You first of all, you need to help them understand why they're doing it, help them understand the value of doing it. And the value can be a company value and it can be their own personal value. So as an example, I've had CEOs in the past when I was the CMO who really wanted to build their personal brand and presence in the industry. And so helping them understand that you can help them look good while they're delivering business value to the company. So you need to do that. But it shouldn't be hey, I need a favor. You can do a task for me. You can say, we've got a great opportunity. It requires you to participate in these particular activities. The benefits for the company are A, B, and C. And the benefits for you personally are D, E, and F. So, you need to give them that context to understand it. By the way, some CEOs are going to dive in and be excited. Some are just totally afraid of that stuff and there's not a lot you can do. Yeah, that's, that's where I was going to go with this. That's a great answer, a great framework for
0: Michael to take. I was also just going to say, like, you also have to judge the appetite of that CEO, right? And so like, if the CEO wants to do marketing, then that's an opportunity to say, ah, I can see that this person really likes marketing. So I'm going to try to shape this more. And, you know, we're going to do, we're we going to do this and they're going to spend a lot of their time. I've, I've worked with CEOs who do that. Or this person is super introverted. They don't like writing. They don't like speaking. You know, maybe this is not, don't try to make that a natural fit unless you are like, look, most of us listening to this, you're not working with the CEO of Apple, right? It's, it's you're, you're probably at a 15-ish million dollar SaaS company, maybe hundred, maybe co- a and, and so like, you don't need to try to, you know, put your CEO on CNBC. And, and if that opportunity comes, then damn, you should go and prepare. But you got to play to their strengths. Maybe, They don't like being on camera, but they love writing. Hey, what if we launch a newsletter for this CEO? That could be one way of doing marketing, which is like, how could I match? First, let me match their strength. Do they write? I I know CEOs that do a ton of internal writing on the wiki, internal emails. Hey, could we package some of this up and actually turn that into a a guest call, a contributed column for a site? Like, I think it's got to also be you creatively using your mind as a marketer to help get the marketing out of the CEO versus them just saying, I want to do
1: this with you. That's a really great point, Dave. And it's funny because I had a CEO at Nuance, as an example, who was totally afraid of speaking in public. It was strange because he was the guy who could totally dominate a room, but he got nervous when he was speaking in public. He was also an amazing, gifted writer. And it's the kind of thing where if you leaned into that and if you complimented him because it was warranted in this case that, hey, you're actually a really fantastic writer. This is a great medium for you. So I I think your idea is perfect. And, hey, you're not going to do that much work. I'm, I'm just
0: going to leverage what you already have. We're going to, you know, ghostwrite it and turn it into some other stuff. Okay. Let's do one. Let's do the last one. And this is a quick from Robin. What questions should marketing always be ready to answer and how detailed should communications be? I find that I have trouble with exec communication, finding the balance between sharing data, detail, nuance for credibility and context, but keeping it digestible because, you know, CEOs are busy.
1: Yeah. G- great question. So like everything we said before, put it in context. You need to communicate, what you're doing, the value of marketing, the status of what's going on in the context of what you're trying to achieve. And it's funny, Dave, you write about this a lot. And I love this about your content, about the value of writing and being concise and clear and sometimes conversational, which is totally fine, but don't give someone 10 pages of stuff if the answer takes a sentence. What yeah. you need to do is clearly in the simplest, most straightforward possible way, communicate what you're doing, what the value is, and how that relates to what's important. So if the goal is about stemming the tide of churn, as an example, and that's a big initiative for the company, then don't tell them about this interesting new event that you're going to, as an example, totally unrelated to what's important to them. Focus on the thing that they care about most, and show what you're doing to move forward that objective.
0: It's also almost like company messaging where like, you know how the goal of the tagline, what's your tagline for like Plano? What's like the one-liner, quick one? Simply Smarter Marketing. Okay, so great tagline, Simply Smarter Marketing, but doesn't at all explain how how you do it, what you do. And so the goal of any tagline like that is to just get somebody to be interested and say, huh, how? So now Peter's going to tell me, how do they do that? Well, they actually have an AI-based budget, pl- you know, whatever, however you call it. And so I think the same is true when, when sharing that stuff with execs, which is like, what's the shortest, most direct answer? If they're interested, then they can say, oh, interesting, how? Then you can either go dig up that more data versus like, if I give you the whole dump, you're never going to read read it anyway. I want people to, it's almost like I talk about copywriting, short, choppy copy. Each goal is to get somebody to continue to read it. So here's the result. Oh, you want more? Okay, I got more. You want more? I got more. I
1: I think you recently wrote this. Your goal of the first sentence is to get them to read the second sentence, right? 100%. Yeah, same is true in in marketing. Like, if they want
0: to know how we do Twitter, (laughs) I'm more than happy to talk about it. But if
1: you don't, I'll give you the high level. So quick tip on this, Dave. So especially when you're communicating information, I find the most valuable thing to do is don't give someone a deck that takes 50 pages of stuff to read through and all the results are there. What I always do is put on the front of this thing a set of bullets yeah. that if they just read that, they would know everything they needed to know and boil it down to that. And oh, by the way, the back part of it can be evidence and proof and things like that. But the if you can put it in one short page and a few pithy bullets, that's all they're going to read half the time anyway. Make sure you communicate it that way. I love it. I'm huge on using video like internally. Right now we use
0: we use drift video. And so- What I'll try to do is I might send a whole marketing update to the company that's 10 minutes long. And instead of just emailing them the link to the video and say, watch this video, I said, hey, hey, everybody, here's this week's marketing update, including how we grew trials by 40%, the three new things we're doing. So I give everybody the bullets and then they can go watch it. And I would say 99% of people just read the bullets and and move on. So I think oftentimes, Robin, to, to close the loop on this, like maybe don't project onto those execs that they want to know all the hundred details of it. We got one more. There's a good one in here for you. How do you drive trust? So how do you drive trust with new and existing board members, investors, execs? So you're new, new VP marketing. You come on the scene.
1: How do you build trust with those people early on? Great question. There are a couple of things that are important, right? So it's trust comes from credibility and credibility comes from two things. One, understanding, having a deep enough understanding in your domain. So proving that you actually understand what you're talking about. And then two is telling the truth. And that's one of the five things that I told you about communicating was tell the truth, even if it's ugly. And if you tell the board that, and this is where the whole truth part comes in, by the way it's a great opportunity. If you've got a fantastic message, you've got a campaign that's killing it. It's a great opportunity to say, this campaign's doing really well. By the way, this is also what we learned. This one isn't working that well. And this is why, and this is what we learned from it. So use, especially when you have really great news, make sure that you use that opportunity to communicate something that may be important, important information that helps them understand sort of the whole nuances and complexity of what's going on in marketing. Communicate that if it's relevant to them. If you're honest and open with them and professional about it, then you will absolutely develop trust from the board. All right, Peter, the ROI
0: on this was huge. So I appreciate you doing it. Hopefully people will go buy some, buy some books, but people can go and check you guys out. Plana, P-L-A-N-N-U-H.com. You got it. Like you awesome. have a nice Massachusetts accent and you're on Twitter, nerd CMO. That is right. Nice. Good memory. I didn't even have to look that up. All right, go check out the book. It's really great if you're super tactical. The reason people have been loving these interviews is because it's tactical. This is something that you can go and, and take with you. So Peter, uh, appreciate you. Good to see you. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for the gift. Always a pleasure, Dave. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this content, I have a whole lot more where that came from. It's in my private marketing group called DGMG. There's almost 2,000 members in there. 80% of them are B2B marketers. And it's been an amazing community that we launched over a year ago. Uh, I've already posted over 400 different types of content in there articles, videos, blogs, podcasts. You can go and check it all out patreon.com slash Dave Gerhardt it's an amazing place to be plus I do exclusive AMAs with these podcast guests in our group and it's the only place I post the full transcript and show notes so you might want to go check it out patreon.com slash Dave Gerhardt I also want to give a shout out and a thank you to our friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing at usehatch.fm. It's awesome. They're helping me with the show. It's why it sounds so great. You should go and check it out too. See you on the
1: next episode.